find you my missing puzzle piece I'm complete I was just Daydream Believers Podcast. I'm your host, Space Orphan 18. Today we are going movie tastic with girls and boys on film. It'll be awesome. And I have some amazing returning guests with me. They'd like to introduce themselves. Hi, I am Kitty and I am Slayer Kitty on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Mel and I'm 47 Mel47 on Tumblr. Hi, I'm Connie and I'm Sleep Deprived Mind on Tumblr. Hi guys. Um, hey, I remember to do the introductions today, so gay gold star for me. Um, Yay! Because <laughs> last time, Mel, last time I did a, a podcast with both uh, Kitty and Connie, I forgot to do the intros for some reason. Okay, so kicking it off, uh, we're gonna talk about the whole episode, and I feel like it's been a while since I've talked about a whole episode of, uh, um, in a, uh, on one of these. Um, We'll start with the Lima side, and the theme of this particular episode is movies, and all of the music is from movies, and if I remember correctly, this was originally supposed to be a Moulin Rouge episode, but for some reason it got changed, and I don't know why, but it did. I'm not 100% sure why either, but... Little tidbit, the reason why this episode got written in the first place is because the entire Clean fandom begged Ryan to have Clean sing, uh, come come what may, on Twitter. (laughs) Well, I do know, and I think, didn't Ryan say something about, he he really likes uh, Moulin Rouge, and he wanted to do a tribute anyway? Yeah. I I think once... The idea was presented to him, and he realized like how much we really wanted it. And I think that he was easily on board with the idea. Mm-hmm. Shockingly. All right, so um, there are a couple of interesting threads here. Um, we get the this this episode also was originally supposed to air directly after I do. It is the is it antecedent. It is the second half of that kind of two-parter episode because it takes um, all the Will and Emma stuff and kind of resolves that. Um, I don't remember why they decided to break it off 
but they did because it ended up being I do and then there was like a hiatus and then there was girls and boys on film it was the network stuff okay. yeah I think they had written it in hopes that they would let him do it for two hours and I'm wondering was American Idol still on the air at this point I think yeah so. it was yeah it was probably scheduling related because of Idol because you know how they you know how they do for like five nights a freaking week when they do their auditions and stuff so it was probably because of that. So um, we open with, um, I, I want to shout out to all the music numbers because I think they're all really cool in this episode. We shout out to Will and Emma singing a song. And this is one of the few times I'm ever really interested in Will's story. Um, is because they're, uh, you know what? I'm blanking on the name of the song. I need to probably look that up. You're all the world to me. That's you are the world the to me. Yeah. But it's so, okay. You know, I'm not the biggest Will fan. But the little black and white dancing all over the room thing, that was really cool. Yeah. And uh, and me being a fan of um, Ginger Rogers and uh, Fred Astaire, that was a really great homage to that. And Emma and um, Jim Amaze, Emma, she had a really good singing voice, too. Especially coming off that big number, her big number in I Do. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, you really could. I mean, that that had a nice tie to it, I think. And, and she's not really a singer. No, she's not. So, and she had a great. So, she did a great she job. She did good. Yeah. Yeah, the scene is really fun. I'm sad they didn't do. I mean, I mean, they obviously have their homages to music videos, but they didn't do a whole lot of classical stuff like classic stuff like this. It's just a fun, different uh, treat, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and but it wraps up. Uh, the one thing I want to say um, about this, well, I, I mean, it sets up the whole because Will says he likes movies, so they go into the whole movie theme. Um, they end up. Uh, we sh- I want to talk a quick shout out to Finn and Artie trying to find Emma. That plot line is really kind of cute. It's only about three scenes, but. Um, there's just a lot of really fun beats. I'm, uh, there's the scene where Finn is like, uh, you know, he's feeling guilty about kissing Emma, so he wants mm-hmm. to go find her. And he's like, um, he, he's like, we need to find her. And Artie's like, well, let's search every, you know, this and that and everything else. And, and Finn's like, we don't have time for that. And he's like, well, let's go find her parents. And Finn's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, just Finn being season four awesome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the other little scene is when <laughs> Artie and Finn dress up as genders and go to talk to her parents. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And it's Can I just say, oh yeah, I'm a redhead. We do not smell like copper. No, my mom's <laughs> a redhead, and they don't smell like copper. <laughs> when I dye my hair red, I just smell like hair dye. <laughs> yeah, but in that scene, we get that really great um met a comment from her father about emma not knowing anything about her job because the kids at that school don't think about college until a week before graduation mm-hmm. oh my um, gosh you're supposed <laughs> to find that out when you're a junior yep. yeah <laughs> i love it so because this is the time when you know uh we talked about this in one of the earlier podcasts that you know it's when the writers were really like on Twitter and talking to fandom and fandom was complaining loudly about 
things like that. And this is how they chose to deal with it. They're just like, yep, we know. We're just not going to do anything about it. <laughs> well, and, you know, but on the the flip side of that, when at least they're openly acknowledging that they're doing it wrong, mm-hmm. I can sort of forgive it a little bit because you're making fun of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in some respects, it's like, okay, yeah, well, as long as you know you're doing it wrong and you're doing mm-hmm. it wrong on purpose, okay, it's better mm-hmm. than you just being really stupid. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to bring up uh, is that Will and Emma go to talk and um, they kind of work things out and they kind of start over again. And it just brings me to the thought that Will and Emma, they have their engagement, they have this, you know, a wedding, but it was, you know, canceled because, you know, it, uh, she left them at the altar. Finn and Rachel got engaged and kind of had a half, almost a wedding thing, and then it got canceled. And I'm assuming by the end of the series had, you know, uh, Finn and, and, and Corey not passed away, they probably would have been married at the end of it. So I don't feel like it's completely out of left field that they break off the clean engagement later on. I think it yeah. is a thing that they do. Well, I mean, every other major couple on the show had their engagement broken up, so you might as well yeah. <laughs> make yeah. it a trifecta. Mm-hmm. In fact, the only one who, the only couple who gets engaged and actually gets married without breaking up is Britanna. But I think that was because, I mean, you don't know. I mean, like, had it gone on farther, would they have done that? I was going to say, they didn't have enough time to break them up and get them back together. (laughs) (laughs) We just don't know. So, uh, but that's, I mean, I don't know if you guys had anything else you wanted to say about that. That's just all I wanted to mention about Wema. Um, Um, Even though I don't really care for Will, I still enjoy the say anything in your eyes moment. I love it. I love that oh, too. Yeah. I love yeah. that movie. I absolutely love that movie. I love that moment in that movie. And even though it's weird that he brought his student, I'm going to forgive him for that because I, <laughs> really, really, I really enjoy that song. And I love the little awkward moment at the end where he like looks at them and is like, yeah, come on, God, go like enough. It's no. like, okay, you're done now. <laughs> and everything like that. So yeah. sort of, I both, as I said, the opening one and this number of two of wills that I really, really enjoy, enjoy watching. Yeah, uh, and I think it was well. I actually even like their talk that they do because it is one of the few times where they feel like they are actually writing Will and Emma like a real couple and like having them, you know, work things out and acknowledge problems. Yeah. And he's actually respecting her and not insulting her. Yeah, unlike some other talks they had, like I don't know, in season three. Yeah, like mm-hmm. when he says to her, like if you. You know, if you needed a like a pamphlet at this time, what would that be called? And it was like the like the best thing he could have ever said. Like, yeah, pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was yeah, it was a really sort of nice moment to sort of see. I was like, okay, I can deal with. Yeah, that their conversation reminded me a lot of their their conversations back in season one before they were you know all, you know before they were romantically involved and they were just friends and getting to know each other so that that was a nice moment because I really I was a big fan of them in season one so to see that come back in that conversation was was nice to see it's a nice um kind of I wouldn't say callback but continuity at least acknowledgement of yeah this is where we were 
season one, so I would like that one. Same. I, it's just kind of nice, because usually Will and Emma are so frustrating to watch, and it, it was nice to have a really good storyline. And then there's the end, though, with Finn, uh, oh, you know, uh, <laughs> say, admitting that he kissed her. And it kind of goes off into a cliffhanger, and of course Will's going to act like a man child again in the next episode. But that's not this one, so no. Um, I will say, I you know, Will coming back, which I mean, it did happen a couple episodes ago. It makes me miss Finn actually leading because Finn is still kind of trying to, to lead the group, and you can tell they still kind of look to him for guidance over Will. Will's just kind of there saying things. And yeah, because they don't really know him. I mean, he was there for what two, three episodes, then he was gone, and so the bulk of this season has really just been Finn holding them together. Mm-hmm. And even after they, you know, lost at sectionals or whatever, and he was the one that wrote them that heartfelt letter, brought them back together, said we can do this, you know. So they really, I think look up to Finn and respect him and who is Mr. Shoe just to come in here and act like he knows us yeah Yeah. on that point I I noticed something between Phil Phil and um, Finn and their kind of uh, friendship or something Uh, when they were when when, um, Finn was trying to uh, encourage Will to um you know, go go and seek Emma and go to try to find her and things. Uh, and I, in the conversation in the hallway, I'm, I don't know if it was just me reading into things, but I'm trying to figure out whether Wells cons- Will considers him like a colleague or a still student or kind of in between. Because he's try- Wells trying to give advice to him as um, more like a colleague level when I don't... Where I think Will is trying to see, still sees him as a stu- student or something. I, uh, it was kind of a, not an odd dynamic, but I think they were trying to figure out what their um, what their status in relation uh, relation to each other was. Uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of um, an underlying thing once Will comes back, actually. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's also kind of trying to set up that Finn needs to go to college. I, I kind of wonder if that's where they were still going to take it had Corey not gone off to rehab. I think, well, because the last episode they filmed before that is the episode where he goes to college. So I think. No, the that's not always... until. It's after. Like, oh, am, am no. I confusing myself? No, he, he doesn't come back. I don't think he comes back for the rest of the season. No. Okay, you're right. Sweet sweet Dreams is it's when the he last goes thing, to the It's the last time we see him is in Sweet Dreams. Um, and uh, so th- I think that was always the plan. Mm-hmm. And so that's the last episode. Um, that's one of the reasons why Lights Out is so disjointed. Because they had to write him out of it. And a lot of what they were going to have in there was probably... Related to, I think, well, there was some other stuff in there, too. But I know there's a whole storyline they rewrote. Mm. Um, But uh, I think that was always the plan for him. He was going to go to college and um, be a teacher. Uh Yeah, we know. I guess we know. I guess from the, the, from what uh, 
Brian Murphy has said about, I guess, the conclusion of the series, yeah, the, because the end point was, was him being a, you know, him taking over things and the glue cup and everything. So, yeah, I guess that was part of his journey. Um, but I thought, I thought that the dynamic was interesting between him and Will trying to figure out things as a relation to each other. So it was just something I noted. <laughs> Um, so, kind of uh, going to some of the other stuff going on, there, Will decides to have the Boys vs. Girls, which is now three years running. Um, it does feel a little tired at this point, mm-hmm. but... Um, yeah, um, and he wants them to do mashups. And Yeah, well, because it's always been mashups with the Boys vs. Girls. So, That's true. Um, since season one, so this is actually the fourth time they've done it. Yeah. So, before we go into the mashups, though, can we talk about Shout? Before we do that, though, oh, yeah. there's a couple of things I want to talk about at the scene where he announces it. Um, oh, okay. There's, everybody starts naming off, I, uh, you know, their favorite stuff. And it's so, there's so random stuff. It's just, mm-hmm. I can't even remember all of it. I know that Sam starts his Nicholas Cage impressions and... Uh, Unique knows, Unique knows all about the crying game, and Kitty mm-hmm. tells Marley that she doesn't get dibs on Les Mis just because she's the poster child for that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes. So it, it just cracks me up. I, it, this is kind of really when the new direction, new new directions, kind of gets into. They're really good with comedy when they have these mm-hmm. big ensemble scenes, and there's just a lot going on, and. Um, everybody's throwing out really funny lines, and it's really good. Yeah. It seems that they, well, like, I think they figured out that the the newer actors, they can do one-liners, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And plus, this episode was written, I was I was doing some a little bit of research, and this episode was written by Michael Hitchcock, and he's known for his, his comedy, so you could really tell... On the one-liners, and they put in there that he wrote. I mean, that There's he wrote that episode. There's so sense. many great lines in this episode. Not just mm-hmm. the line, but stuff, but in the New York side too. When we get to it, yeah, mm-hmm. there is. And I love that Will is trying to go on. Like a lot of times, Will's themes are just because that's how he's feeling that particular day, which is this one. And but I love that he's trying to make it um, like really focused on the theatricality of your performance. <laughs> 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 Um, and um, and then he says, "What the winners get to be in Artie's movie, right?" Yeah. So this yeah. is the yeah. Okay. So yeah. Well, Artie says that he's got a movie, and that the winners get to be in it. And everybody starts because nobody wants to do the whole girls versus boys thing. They're all complaining about that. And we'll talk. I guess we'll no. We'll just talk about the whole Artie thing now. Like, um. So at the end, when the, nobody wins, um. You always do that. <laughs> Who says that? Is it Ryder or Blaine? I can't remember who said that. Okay. I forgot that it's always the Blaine Jeff. You always do that. It's definitely. You always do that. It's so funny. Uh, Artie's like, you're all in it. And then I feel like we never saw anything. You got, And then, so Katie, you were telling me before that the fandom thought it was Footloose. Footloose is supposed to be his movie because they're all in it. Okay, it still sounds seems more like a drop plot thread. Uh, you know, you could go either way with it. I mean, but I always took it as Footloose was his movie. And it was a debate, though. And so when someone pointed that out, I was like, oh, I can see that. But 
Uh, I mean, I could see it the other way, too. I don't know if we ever really get a definitive answer on that. No. Well, I wondered if it was one of those things that Finn was going to be involved in had the second or like the last quarter of the season hadn't changed. Because I think that they did rewrite the last batch of episodes. Yeah. The only other thing I wanted to mention before we get into the actual talking about some of the performances and the Blaine stuff um, is that this is... Okay, so Joe and Sugar are still in this episode. Believe it or not, they were mostly in every episode up until this point. Just doing stuff in the background. And then they're going to be gone, and they're going to come back in Wonderful. So just in case people were doing, like, a watch of Where Are Joe and Sugar, I just want to point that out. (laughs) I don't think Joe ever says anything in this episode, but Sugar has this really one zinger of a line that when they're all talking about, you know, what they should do, she says to the girls, we should all, we should all, well, we should do the artist so we don't have to sing. And I thought that was, I thought that was, when they're talking about dedicate their songs are about Tom Cruise movies oh, and then yeah. it's Jack Nicholson's line from a few good men. In oh, not- okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, so they, they must've been contracted for like 14 episodes or something like that because they're not in ID. Um, so part of the problem I know with sugar. So Vanessa Lynch's or I'm not sure I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. So, they would not tell her in enough advance they were going to have her in an episode. So she would either be doing something else or traveling or whatever. And they'd call her and be like, we need you to be in this episode. And she'd be like, I'm in another country. It's not going to happen. So then she wouldn't be in it. Hmm. I don't know enough about. um, TV contracts. uh, no, I was going to say the contract for I cannot think of the actor's name. The guy who plays Joe. Samuel What's his real name? Samuel. Samuel Larson, thank yeah. you. Uh, I don't remember what his specific contract was. Well, I'm guessing it was two thirds of the the season because or two thirds guest star because they're in two thirds of the season, and but they're yeah. not in anything in that last quarter or last third. And then they're back just for the season finale, and then they're not in season five. So, yeah, uh, both of them. Well, I know uh, Vanessa got a new show that got picked up and then got promptly canceled. Oh yeah, that that mix that, that mixology yeah, or mixology. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know if it ever aired. And then uh, I really don't know. I think Samuel Larson just. They said, okay, you're done. Yeah. The, the last time we see Sam, I think, or Joe is in the, the, the series finale where he is at the very end, I think. Kind of. He has yeah. like a small cameo in The Rise and Fall of Sue Sylvester, too. When he oh, says, really? Yeah, because he yeah. says Sue cut off my dreads. That's okay. right. I remember that because he cut him off and everyone freaked out. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of, he got the Rory treatment a little bit, like, you're done. <laughs> yeah. So, But then, I mean, they're going to drop the newbies kind of like a hot potato in season five anyway, too. So, um, so um, going through the music, because I think the music of this episode is really one of the highlights. And I'm going to save Come What May for the, when we talk about New York. So, um, first we get, uh, we get this really fun scene out in front of the lockers where um, they're 
I don't remember who starts the conversation, but like I think Blaine and Brittany come up and they're like, we want to do a fun song together, boys and girls all together. And, and everybody starts naming off random songs. I don't yeah. even remember what. There were some really bizarre Something, it was something from a, a third sequel of a horror film, like Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Yeah. 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 Waking Gal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's like that. Yeah. Now was Shout? I know Shout was in Animal House, but was that written for Animal House, or did they just use it in Animal I House? Don't I think they just know. Used, I think they just used it because Shout. Shout's a Johnny O'Keefe song, isn't it? No. Let me. I'm gonna see if I can find out. But I just like it seemed. Um, oh, it's the Isley Brothers. Isley Brothers. Uh-huh, Isley, yeah. Okay. So can I tell you about something really stupid that makes me laugh every time I watch this scene? Hmm. Go it's ahead. when Blaine yeah. is talking about, he's like, well, we're going to do this. Uh, what about a song from the seminal classic, Animal House? He drops his bag on the floor. Okay. Takes his tumbler. I now know how much that bag costs. So every time I see the scene, I go, that's a $300 bag, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> In my Kurt voice. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I, I just love the fact that Blaine and Brittany got together and like, let's do something fun. And yeah, and so I think this is a now a good time to talk about how um let's just there's not a lot of Blaine in the episode, and I think we can tie him into talking about the musical stuff. But he is very happy through this entire episode. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure. He's very cheerful. He's the happiest he's been since the, what, episode one? (laughs) Well, I I kept on thinking in conjunction with what happened with him and Kurt, and I do. I think, you know, the the fact that he got this, just to... Going back to their whole conversation, you know, the night after, I think he, just because that look, I think he just, uh, he just feels more comfortable or confident that he still, uh, Kirk gave him hope, or Kirk continued to give him hope that uh, eventually, I think, well, he thought that they'll probably get back together. So I think the weight of that has been lifted. I think, I think it's also, got also, it's also got a lot to do with the fact that the dude just got laid a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot. Yeah. A lot. Uh, and I yeah. think that uh, he's finally forgiven himself. Yeah. yeah. So Ooh, some yeah. sort of combination of all three. He had, Blaine's uh, flying pretty high here right now. I'd also like to argue that in Blaine's head, he and Kurt may almost kind of be back together anyway like yeah there's distance yeah, but he's I, got a little bit of, of denial going on there but in a good way <laughs> i mean you know he's like it's just a matter of time and we'll just you know we'll be in new york and we'll just totally be back together so um but we get the shout number uh fun trivia fact this was the 500th uh, um song filmed for the show and um, yeah, that's a worthy 500th number. It was a lot of fun. It is. This yeah. was. I love this number. I love, like, I am so impressed with the athleticism of Heather Morris and Derek Chris in this scene because they're just oh, jumping yeah. everywhere. And they really put a lot into it. And it was, it was, it's so, it's always so much fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. You could tell that they had so much energy on that number, too. I mean, because it came through in the choreography and. and 
Just it was just a cheery number. I mean, well, I, I I feel like maybe some of the behind the scenes stuff because it was the five hundred number, so it was a, it was like it's a big damn deal. There's a lot of press. <laughs> there's this. There's this. You know, they yeah. really really went for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love the just they're playing around and they're having fun. I love the sneaking through the library, and I. Yeah. And, um, they get really loud in the cafeteria, and and Blaine and Brittany are really uh, playing against each other in this scene, like they're because they did say at the beginning they're going to do like a competition within the same number, and I don't know, it's just a lot of fun. I really love coming yeah. back to this one. And then I love at the end when somebody's like, "That wasn't a mashup." And Artie, Buzz kill Artie because he comes up and he's like, "You guys do know that that wasn't even a mashup." And Brittany and Blaine, yeah. like, whatever, we don't even care. Yeah, yeah and they, 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 they kind of high-vibe each other. I love that moment. Oh, uh, so, so. It's just yeah. a reminder that they actually are friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and I love that everybody's involved. I mean, now that we're in the second half of season four, so much of the newbie stuff and the old, you know, senior stuff, they're all doing stuff together, and it kind of helps, you know, mesh it. it, it mm-hmm. uh, so. Yeah, they seem to feel like they're more like one group as opposed to newbies versus the old older folks. And that's good to see them kind of unified together. The continue, continuation of the unity. So that's good. It was a lot of what was missing from the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is why I think this stretch, I kind of use from, I would argue um, Sadie Hawkins through uh, Guilty Pleasures. It's just such a great string of episodes. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the next song that we get is the um, boys mashup, which is old time rock and roll and Danger Zone. Can I just have, say, should have hoped it that had it had been Bat Dance mashed up with Howard the Duck. Yes. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can I just say that I will be forever bitter that Blaine was not in his underwear. Yeah, you can. Yep. I was thinking that actually when I went and rewatched it. And I get it. I get that you're going to, I mean, Sam and Ryder and, and Jake are the, I don't even want to say conventionally because the other guys are pretty hot too, but like, it makes sense that they put those three in their underwear, but it is a shame that we did not get to see Blaine in his underwear. Cause we all know Darren would have done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you looked at his Instagram in the last couple of months, he's not afraid to let it all hang out. Yeah. <laughs> no. Though for I will say that for a scene with the boys in their underwear, it is still rather PG. I mean, they have those shirts hanging all the way almost to their knees. They're so long. Yeah. So no underwear is showing. <laughs> So my question is, so in season two, when they were doing Rocky Horror and Finn walks down the hall in his underwear and gets in trouble, how is that any different than the boys dancing around in their underwear in the classroom? Uh, Why are you trying to be logical about this? I don't know, because I can't turn it off. (laughs) That's because in in next season, Sue's going to expel them all because she wants to more than worried about it for the Gaga outfits. So, oh, that's true. Yeah, who knows? Because Glee is inconsistent. <laughs> um, it's the most consistent thing about it. <laughs> and then the girls do a mashup of um, 
Diamonds are a girl's best friend with material girl. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which yeah. isn't, isn't that, wasn't that already messed up in Mulan Right. I think this is another yeah. one of the holdovers from Mulan. Because they do this in Come What May is they're both from Mulan Rouge. And they do yeah. the Mulan Rouge version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do. Because Marley's doing all of Nicole Kidman's lines in it. Isn't she, called yeah. Spark, it's called Sparkling Diamonds or something like that. Because yeah. that's always annoyed me because I'm like, the boys should have won because they actually mashed up two songs. Whereas the girls didn't. They took an already girls, existing mashup. That's true. Oh, that's yeah. That's what never really, that. really annoyed me about this episode. I'm like, that's not fair. They, didn't, <laughs> they, did, not, they did not meet the requirements of the assignment. It was a great performance. But they didn't make And they look fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> In their material girl dresses. Mm-hmm. That was a flashback. Yeah. Yeah. Can we make a note of the, um, just quickly, the conversation between Kitty and Marley in the toilet beforehand? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Kitty yeah. tells her that boys are like coal. They're dirty uh, and cheap and they get hot when they're rubbed. <laughs> and, some, <laughs> and some turn into diamonds, so collect as many as you can. Oh, God. Goodness, the talk she gave her. Because I'm doing these a little bit out of order. Is is Kitty still dating Puck at this point? Yeah, because yeah, she is. She, okay, because it doesn't last too much longer. They they break up off screen somewhere. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. she kind of apologizes. Well, she does a Kitty apology to Marley because we're both dating Puckmans, and soon we'll be both married to Jews. <laughs> Sorry, we, we need to be friends. What oh she's my gosh. <laughs> See, and this is why I started to like her. Yeah, this is yeah, yeah. this is around. I was the same. Like, I grew to really, really love Kitty. I'm rewatching the start of season four. I, it sort of was a reminder of how vicious she actually was, but she certainly grew on me because she was, you know, she was still bitchy, she was still nasty, but it became funnier, mm-hmm. and it became yeah. I really think good that they just figured out that they were making her too mean. Yeah. yeah. So they toned it down a little, but it's just weird that they toned it down a little right when, and I think I said this on the episode we were recording the other day, um, they had her start dating Puck and suddenly I started liking her. Well, because she like, she said mean things to Puck, but in a way that was, you know, you would be relatable because she was talking to him about his script and how it was bad. So she was saying funny things about it being bad, but then she still said, you know what, by the way, you're a really good writer though, despite all these things. And it softened her. So it yeah. just kind of, they, they took off that really nasty edge with no redeemability. Yeah. Yeah. Cause before that happened, I hated her. I wanted her gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other scene or the other, uh, there is um, the one from Ghost, the Unchained Melody. Oh, <laughs> I just, I just, I didn't pay any attention to that when I was rewatching because I'm like, this is boring. I don't care about this love triangle. Yep, this is a brilliant song and it deserved better than this. Yeah, I wanted to care, but I just don't. But um, I just don't. Um, I, and and you know what? I'm sorry. To the actors, because they deserved better than that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Because Melissa is obviously a fantastic actress. She's carrying Supergirl. It's going into its third season, Mm -hmm. you know, and 
Jacob Artist and um, I'm told I am terrible with names today. I'm like, think I'm know. still asleep. But that's it. Like, yeah, they're yeah. all really good. Yeah. Yes. And uh, um, they tried. Yeah. But never once were the, any of those three characters written in a way that made me want to care about them. In this particular. Well, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mel. I was just saying, like, to an extent, Marley, when we were dealing with Marley on her own or Marley with Unique and things like that, I'm quite I love her. She had so yeah. much potential. It's, it's this bloody love triangle. It's like we've been there and we've done that with Finn, Quinn, and Rachel for three fucking seasons. <laughs> Give us something else to play with, please. Yeah, no, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I said, you know, yeah. there are times, and I even said on the Naked podcast that even Jake and Ryder can be interesting when they're just talking, when they're just being yeah. friends. Yes, yeah. when Jake and Ryder, and it's their friendship, and they're being, yeah. you know, dorks, or even when they're antagonizing each other, yeah. like earlier in the season, I, I, I cared about that. And when Marley yeah. and Unique are hanging out and being dorks and singing wicked duets with each other, mm-hmm. I am there. But yeah. you put Marley with those two boys, and it's like... It's boring. It's watching it's Red boring. Rise. Red Rising is more interesting than that. What is more interesting? Right afterwards. What? It's because you get to at least if after the bread's risen, at least you get to eat it and enjoy something. (laughs) 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 The thing that bothered me about this Unchained Melody is because Ghost, that particular scene, that's a classic scene. Everybody remembers that scene, you know. Even if you've never seen the movie, you know that scene, you know that song. And that song paired with that scene is so intimate with that. I mean, that is really intimate. And to have that in here is just... It It really felt like it should have gone to somebody else. But I don't know that anybody else uh, would have been like... Like, I'm trying to think character-wise if anybody else would have had a storyline that would fit a scene like that and nothing's coming to mind. But yeah. I mean, I understand why they wanted to do it mm-hmm. because if you're going to do a movie episode, you know, it's iconic for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I uh, just, it felt kind of wasted. Yeah. No. And then like, yeah. I, It's Marley's fantasy. She's fantasizing about these two guys. I remember at the time, this a lot of people were talking about how they should do a poly relationship out of this. Like, yeah, like a TV. This TV show is going to go that way. (laughs) Let me tell you. Let me tell you. They did it on the Disney Channel. They can do it on Glee. Oh wow. It's un. It was unintentional, and I don't think they meant to do it. But during the first half of season three of Girl Meets World. The, one of the main boy characters was technically dating both the main girl characters and the girl characters were best friends. Uh-huh. He couldn't pick between them. So there's an episode where he actually introduces both of them as his girlfriend. Okay, then. <laughs> it, <laughs> but it's, it's absolutely adorable. Yeah. But I agree that this, this particular plot line has been dragging down all of season four and Luckily, we can, you know, lips right out. You don't, you can easily fast forward through it. But I think one of the, you know, yeah, there's a lot of not great things in season four, but there are a lot of really, really good things. But this, 
this thing could have just, I wish they had never done this. This is just a, should have ended so much sooner. I, I, I don't mm. even mind. I mean, Charlie was never going to be my favorite couple, um, but they should have just focused on if they're going to put, you know, Jake and Marley together and have give them relationship issues. That's all you really needed. You didn't really. I, I you have don't need to, writer. No. And I have to wonder, as a side note, if the writer stuff came up because Melissa and and. I'm well, like started like, dating. Started dating. So. Yeah. And they realized they had chemistry. Yeah. And they wanted to pull another Finchel slash Monchelle thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I, anyway, I just wanted you, to bring it up. You can't, you can't duplicate that. Yeah. <laughs> that was an accident of, of just working together that they fell in love and got together and it became a dual thing. It, you can't make that happen. Didn't that happen here? Well, I mean, they got together but it was sort of like the 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 characters were already going to be together at some point and then the actors got together in this case they're doing the flip the character the actors got together so now oh, let's put their characters together okay but did it happen in that because they they were dropping hints from Ryder from day one with Miley like that was sort of happening from the moment he was introduced into the show. Ari, I don't know. I just, I feel like they were trying to force it. Yeah. yeah. I agree, though. It does seem, the whole thing seems forced. <laughs> and if you think back to, because, you know, they always start filming, like, what, like two months before they start airing, two and a half months, something like that. I remember, like, they went back to filming and we're all going clean pictures, clean pictures. We want, or, you know, even just other stuff. And Ryan was tweeting like Charlie and it's Melissa and Jake in his office. And they're all being cuddly on the couch. And we're like, who the hell are these people? And why do we care? Cause we don't. Um, <laughs> a couple more things I want to bring up just really quickly. Um, I have an interesting Brody thing, but I'm going to save that for New York. When they do, when Will does the announcement that they've all won and Blaine has his lovely line of, why do you always do this? And Artie is like, everybody's going to be in my movie, quote unquote. Um, when Finn and, and Will are going out off to talk, you can hear the chatter from the group about being cast and everything. And Blaine is actually saying to Artie that he and Tina would make a really great leading pair. He's like pitching that to Artie. It's really cute. Aww. Aww. So. Blaine looking out for Tina. No, Blaine wants his, he he knows, he's like, we're going to do, it's so funny because it's, it's more of like, we're going to start in this thing and you're going to make us because we're going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) No more Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. Well, he is a diva. Men can be divas. But the last uh, song in this in this in the episode is um, Footloose, which and I love. It's fun. Mm-hmm. I'm really a little sad Mike never did Footloose because he was so excited about doing Footloose and Footloose yeah. did 2000 in that one yeah. episode. But um, but it is. It's a really fun ending number. I just can't help but think that the soles of those shoes would be like really slippery. Yeah, they're like flat <laughs> red. Well. <laughs> I do remember, I think it was Cord who could not get the footwork correct. And, like, and whoever was sitting next to him, was it, I think Becca? it was Becca? 
I think he liked She said that she had so many bruises because he kept kicking her mm. on accident. <laughs> he kept kicking her in the shin Ooh. when they were trying to do the crossover footwork because he couldn't get it. Oh, mm. fun fact. I'm reading the trivia stuff. I should really do this before this podcast. Um, Brittany, Kitty, Marley, <laughs> and Tina were supposed to sing Maniac from Flashdance, but it got cut. They already had way too much going on. Yeah, that's true. What? Yeah, why would they even be singing that? Because so they could do a dance number. Yeah, but does it? Well, oh, whatever. I'm not going to argue too much about it. So that's mm-hmm. it. That's the episode. Fine. We're done. Since when does Glee ever care about having a real reason for a song to be performed? No. They perform it and they oh, can you fit know in why? I wonder. You know why I bet they didn't do it? Why? Because Heather was pregnant. Well, she did shout. Yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't know if they really let her do a whole lot of stuff. But they also cut a number out of Diva for her too. Oh well, yeah, that's true. Um, and it's kind of funny because you can really tell um, when we did Naked, she did the fondue for two, and you can. I'm like, wow, she's definitely pregnant. But I can't in tell as much here. Yeah, in the face. She she put a lot of weight on in her face. Because she's mm-hmm. always had a really long, really thin, you know, high cheekbones kind of, you know. And she kind of, her face plumped up just a little bit. So you could really tell. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I, I think up, in, right in, up until right before the end, they hit it pretty good. Yeah, they did. Because she was still wearing her cheerleading uniform in this episode. Yeah. And I didn't, yeah. I remember I didn't find out. It's weird because I was really up to my years and spoilers, but I didn't realize she was pregnant until about the last couple episodes. I was like, oh, Heather looks a little different. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. So that's pretty much Lime aside. There isn't, I mean, we kind of touched the blame parts of it. There's just not a whole lot of him in the episode. Um, he does good background in this, though. He does. Yeah, he does. So, I guess there is another scene with Blaine in it, but we'll get to that in a second. Because <laughs> <laughs> technically, that happens in New York. Yep. <sighs> okay, anyway. Yeah. So, shifting gears a little bit, there is a second part, a second half to this episode, um, which is the New York stuff. And this is, okay, this cracks me up. I need to set this up real quick. It is blizzarding out in New York City to the point where everything's shut down. And, I mean, if colleges are closing, that's a big deal. Colleges don't usually close. And so everything's shut. And New York doesn't usually shut down either. So if their bridges are closed, that is huge. And then in in Lima, it looks like nothing is happening. Like, it's a fine day outside. I mean... Usually, Eastern Coast weather has its ramifications on the Midwest, but. Well, the thing about that is, is Ohio probably would have gotten that weather first. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. So, by the time it hit New York, they probably would have already dug themselves out in Ohio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, still. So, anyway, I don't know why she that. She says, because she pays like, too much attention to the weather. <laughs> Anyway, I cut somebody off. I'm sorry. Who was talking before? I feel bad. Uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. So we open with um, Santana and Kurt and Adam, uh, who we haven't really seen much of, um, hanging out in the loft. 
And they're baking and reenacting Downton Abbey. Yeah. Yeah, that feels very Chris-ish, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like, okay, I feel like this is something they were doing behind the scenes. And one of the writers saw it and said, that's going in an episode. Mm. Or they let them improv it. I bet it was improv. I'm sure. I feel like it was improv. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, improv to, you know, like, do a Downton Abbey impression here or something like that. Yeah. Also, in this scene where Santana asks Adam where he's from, I can't remember where he says he's from. Essex. But I can't. Okay, he says he's from Essex. His accent, he's not from Essex. How do you know this? Because Phantom was up in an an uproar about that because he has the wrong accent to be from Essex. What? (laughs) (laughs) I thought, okay, who cares? But okay. (laughs) Hey, we have British fans. But I mean, you can still, like, I mean, you can be, like, I know, for example, my grandparents lived down south and they had Midwestern accents and not Southern accents. So maybe he moved. Maybe. I don't know. It was just something I remember them talking about. That's kind of funny, though. So, um, Santana, this is, so Santana moved in in Diva, and I do, it didn't take place at all in New York, so we didn't really have anything. So, this is our first real episode in New York. And, um, what did you say, Mel? Sorry. I said it's amazing. Santana. Santana moving into the loft was like. She does in this episode, all the shit she tries to cause is just hilarious. It's one of my favorite Santana episodes ever. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and it really makes me sad she was not there from the beginning. And really, Mercedes should have been there, too. Like, if you had put Kurt and Rachel and then just threw them in New York and threw them with Santana and Mercedes, you would have had a really awesome show. I don't know why they waited so long to do that, but... Yes. uh, um, but yeah, she's, you know, already bored. Of course, she's not really having fun hanging out with, you know, Kurt and Adam. Um, interesting thing. I want to point this out. Later on, Adam says that he has contact solutions. So was he planning to stay over the whole time? Do you think? I don't know. I mean, why else would you have contact solution with you? I don't know. I don't wear contacts. Do you not um, carry it with you? As someone who wears glasses and did a brief run with contacts, um, I would carry a small bottle of it in my purse along with my little lens cases because if they started to irritate my eyes, you have to take them out and you have to put them in solution. You have to change Mm. the solution every time you do it. Um, Or at least I always did. So if... I mean, he probably just keeps a bottle along with his contact lens case in there in case he ever has to take them out. See, now, as somebody who has been a full-time contact wearer since the age of 12, I (laughs) know. You never do that? Huh? You don't do that? No. Not at all. Why would I ever take? Because my eyes are so bad. By the way, I have astigmatism, too. And whatever. It's curtain. You are making this shit up. Um, But, um... And no, because I, I don't wear glasses ever if I have to. Um, I, I don't bring anything with me because I never take them out. So, I mean, I do at night or whatever, but it's just the only time I bring my contact solution is if I know I'm staying the night because I wear my contacts for 16 hours. So there's no reason for me to do anything 
unless I know I'm going to be spending the night somewhere. So that's why I brought that up. I had a hard time with contacts and it didn't last long. So I was always afraid I was going to, I would be somewhere and they would bother me and I'd have to take them out. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. And, and it's a, most contacts where it's don't bring, unless there's a specific eye need, you, you you don't bring it unless you, it's an overnight bag. So that's, I mean, he does have a bag. So I'm wondering if yeah. he, he brought it in hopes that he would be staying over with Kurt. Anyway, so they're snowed in, kind of-ish, not horribly yet. And um, I love Santana's remarks of, you know, hey, are you guys dating? Because you and Blaine uh-huh. at the wedding, kind of. And I love uh-huh. she used her fingers to, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Kurt is giving her the stare of death. Yeah. And he just, like, jumps on that so quickly. <laughs> well, and this just happened. I mean, like, at the end, I want to talk a little bit about the time compression of the series. But this was going to be a two-parter. This was, like, this is the next couple of days. What did they say? Emma was gone for a couple, like, three days or something? Yeah. Yeah. Like, this is just, like, the, the wedding happened on the weekend, and this is in the middle of the week. So, that's, you know fresh in everybody's mind and then he's you know playing it with adam as if like he didn't spend the whole weekend getting it on with blaine in a hotel room yeah what (laughs) totally happened (laughs) oh i believe it (laughs) well and i said um, quinn and santana's uh hotel room was probably next to theirs too oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think it is I, I don't remember. I, I, I just said that I'd have to rewatch. Yeah, that. I would do. But I, you know, and I love that she's stirring this up because, and you know, yeah. Adam, he's just kind of all taking it in. He's very laid back about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you know, if I just, you know, if I'm starting to date this person and they, I find out kind of hinted at that they spent all weekends fooling around with their ex, I'd be like, Hey, we should probably have a talk. And mm-hmm. Adam seems pretty like I'm not going to even bring it up. So I think, unfortunately, he knows if he brings it up, if he forces it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, I, I just, it, I mean, they said, and I do, that they're not exclusive. So Adam doesn't have a whole lot of ground on uh, to, you know, say, I don't know. But, so they're just casually dating. Yeah. Or. Casually sitting there and trading British accents. I don't know. <laughs> um, so then, and then oh, go ahead. they move into what? Talking about Moulin Rouge, right? Or what they're going to watch. They, they talk about yeah. um, what they're going to watch. Where is, uh, Santana wants to know where Rachel and, and Brody are. And Rachel is um, in the bathroom. And I, you know, it, this, okay. I mean, how long was she in the bathroom? No, I'm just kidding. No, one thing that kind of bothers <laughs> me a little bit is Santana... Throughout seasons four and five, and I know this is because of the pregnancy scale that they bring up, puts in little jabs about uh, Rachel's weight. And it bothers me only because Rachel has never at any point on the series been anything at all fat. And it, it feels like, you know, it, it. how do I put this? I'm like, for shaming somebody who's already thin to be fat, it feels fat phobic, I guess. I just really, I hate it. When Santana always does stuff like that, so. And it's it's interesting that she makes that comment after the way she went into bat for Marley during Thanksgiving. Oh like yeah. Like she picked up. Yeah, so she picked up that 
something was wrong there and mm-hmm. was, you know, accusing Kitty and all of that sort of stuff. Yet then she's making comments about Rachel finding her inner bulimic. But I did, I did like the follow-up comment about her use of tan in a can. That is, and that's because, um, because Leah and Michelle went on vacation during between the filming of two of the episodes and came back really, really tan, and so they threw that in there because they make us another joke about it in season five too. When um, in Tina's like friends thing, where she's like, "Never get a spray tan at a Korean restaurant or whatever." (laughs) (laughs) So. Um, but yeah, uh, this is uh, part of like at the end of the last episode, Rachel finds out that she's pregnant and it would have to be Brody's because you cannot find, you know, she would not be pregnant from Finn that quickly. Um, even though she's not pregnant at all, but you know, um, and I'm assuming Santana knows already at this point because she's gone through everything. And she has like the, the, with the movie choices, it's obvious she does. She's already gone through all their stuff and she's she's found it. Which was totally yeah. gross that she went through a rubbish bin in a bathroom. Yeah, it is really like, kind of gross. Totally gross. But uh, not even she's having my baby. You always like it when she has the baby. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the <laughs> had the baby. Yeah, I love the uh, – I cracked up when Kurt said that. Yeah. Now, I don't think Kurt is in an, on any of this. This is – Yeah. Not, it's just really funny the way yeah. he says that. I know, yeah, it is. That's what cracked me up about it. Yeah. And then, so uh, – bitches. They're just like, we love this dancing house. Which <laughs> just makes me laugh so hard. Oh, man. <laughs> I guess that I think whole, that was like two lines was great. I, I'm pretty sure that was Chris improving too. It doesn't seem yeah. necessarily Kurdish. It just <laughs> it didn't like when it when does I was, sound like something Chris would say. It doesn't. We've never heard um, Kurt sort of speak like that before. You know, maybe it's because he's growing up or anything like that. But sort of like when he came out with that, it's like that that's different. <laughs> That's, that's, that's a good price. I like it. Moulin Rouge, bitches. <laughs> I, need to hear, I need to hear Kurt Hamill swear a little bit more often would be fantastic. Oh, man. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Kurt's also in a relatively good mood, too, now that we think about it. As long as Santana's not bringing yeah, up why. why. <laughs> as long as, yeah, as long as he can keep Santana contained. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's so supportive of her going on and on and on about Brody when we get to that is because he's like, oh, at least she's not bringing up the fact that I spent all weekend with Blaine in a hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's always been a little bit suspicious of Brody, too. I mean, not suspicious, but give yeah. him, give, giving him the side eyes. Or, he's always had issues like. with him. Yeah. He, sat naked, he sat naked on his chairs. He hates the guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt has been done with Brody before he even moved in. Kurt was done with Brody the minute that Brody and Rachel molested that turkey. That turkey. When he tried to yeah. when he tried to cook the turkey in a bag. Like that was it. And he's like, all right, I'm never eating this. I'm not eating this again. <laughs> I was like, now I can't eat that after you guys have been done with it. Yeah. And now with Santana, he's like, finally somebody that is, you know, that sides with me. So Okay, so it goes to commercial break after shouts. When we come back, we get, you know, this high fantasy setup. 
And I, one of my favorite performances of the entire show. Yes. With Come What May. Yep. The best part about this is that it's Kurt's fantasy. And yeah. it's interesting because it sets up, you know, Blaine comes out first and you, you're supposed to believe because New York doesn't have the whole, like, it's funny because New York sets up, or not New York, Lima sets up the whole theme of movie music, yet New York is the one that sets up Moulin Rouge. So it's it's doubly, like, misleading. Like, oh, it, it's just crazy because they do set it up. They do say, hey, we're going to watch Moulin Rouge over there. And it's so tricky. I, it was, I don't know. I think one of the best surprises about this is that it's Kurt's fantasy. Yeah. And he makes his own dramatic entrance in his own fantasy, which yeah. is like the most Kurt thing yeah. to ever happen. The thing ever. is, Blaine is singing. He starts out singing. And so Kurt is fantasizing about Blaine singing, uh, you know, to about him. About missing him. About missing him. But also... With flashbacks. With flashbacks. But think about that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of when you're watching, like, a movie, you're thinking, he's thinking not only of Blaine singing, but he's thinking about... Blaine and the first time they met, he's thinking about Blaine and yeah. sex because they do the first time flashback. He's thinking about all of these things with Blaine at the same time. Mm-hmm. And yeah. That's what I like about that scene. And I think I mean, it's such a pun in minute that I mean, that the whole choreography of that scene, I mean, it just it kind of reenacts their whole relationship up until then. Just by the by how they move, you know, play off each other. And I just thought that was really, um, I can't think of the word, but really a great way of showing that without having to, having to say very much. I mean, they're singing and things, but you could just, for those of us who have been following the relationship since the beginning, it's a, it was a really nice um, tie-in, really I think. Good. It was a good form of storytelling without yeah. actually having to say anything. And it's a good yeah. use of music awesome. storytelling because a lot of times, like in in season one, they did a really good job with this, but then they kind of lost it to the, like, this is the hit of the summer and let's just do this song for the singing it. And this goes back to actual straight up musical theater in which this whole scene is kind of Kurt kind of thinking about how he's feeling with Blaine and he's hesitant at first, but then, you know, it really, it ends with, Kurt up in the like elephant room because it's what it is in Mulan Rouge, and letting Blaine back in again and admitting the fact that he still loves Blaine and being physically intimately close with him, and all of this through song and facial movements and body movement and it's just so amazing. Uh-huh. It's just it's so well done. Like it's it's pretty. They did a good job incorporating the Moulin Rouge stuff. The choreography is yeah. amazing. They sound great. It's, you know, so perfectly in character for Kurt. Mm-hmm. And and then when you do get that moment of coming back out of it and you realize it's Kurt, it's like a punch to the gut because you're yeah. just like, oh. Yeah. And it's so yeah. romantic. And, then, I mean- and he's crying. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, Kurt. Does, I mean, Kurt cries, but he doesn't usually cry in front of people a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's not. I don't know. I just. I don't think he knew he was doing it. No, but I just think that there's so much about this song because 
Okay, so Come What May is something that fandom had been wanting since season two. I yeah. personally have never been a huge fan of the actual song. And I'm like, you guys, why are we fighting this hard over this song? And then Ryan gave it to us, and he didn't just, I mean, for all of the, you know, fourth wall breaks and the shit that they, goes on between fandom and the, the creators, they still gave us this, and it was pretty freaking amazing. Oh. Um, they even, um, I don't know if you guys know this, they actually redid the scene. There were some promo stills that came out of how it looked a little bit before, and then Ryan said, no, I don't, it's not good enough. Redo the whole yeah. thing. And they basically reshot the entire thing with different background, different props. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah because I, I remember seeing some stuff and going, I don't remember it looking quite like that. It was similar. Yeah, similar, but it was. But like it wasn't they added, quite like that. Like, they added the, the, I think they added the fact that it was at night as opposed to during, I think the promos that we saw we it showed them in their tuxes and stuff, but it looked more like in the daytime or something. I don't know. I just or know I, that the, the, the stage was completely different. They completely yeah. redid the um, like the elephant room thing, mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering if they did that because they knew they were taking out the Moulin Rouge from the rest of the episodes. They really wanted to hamp it up here or something. I don't know. I have no idea why. I just know it's completely different. Well, you know, Ryan, I mean, he just walks in one day and says, write me an episode around the color orange. Go. (laughs) I think, um, I think I'm like totally on the outs with the entire clean fandom when it comes to this song, because I don't quite feel it the same way everyone else seems to. That's fine. Not that I don't like it. Like, it's nice, and I really appreciate it for, like, what you've talked in terms of, like, the story and that it's Kurt's perspective and what we can see about, you know, okay, we're at the point where he's starting to deal with what's gone on and moving forward and everything like that, but it's, it's never on my list of, like, favourite songs from the series or if what's your favorite claimed you it never ever comes to mind for me there's there's other ones that will jump to my mind more and it's like and I hear people talking about it's like oh have I missed something or <laughs> I will say I, just- I still don't particularly like the song um it is kind of well, weird that they um even cut off the ending verse but whatever but it's really for me i mean like i'll mute it and watch it and i feel the same way it's just more of the (laughs) interactions between the two of them during it the facial expressions the fact that when kurt says i love you it's so like sure of itself and then the ending when when kurt completely just curls in on blaine is that is what really moves me more so the vocal performance on it yeah I can appreciate the moments and everything like that, but I just, yeah, just yeah. have to hand in my claim card. No, that's fun. okay. I hate uh, candles. No, so I don't worry about it. <laughs> it's refreshing um, to have a, a different opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. You don't yeah. have to turn not, in your claim card, I promise. Uh, I don't. Yeah, you don't. Not at all. <laughs> Um, oh, there's one little moment in here right before. I, I love this when they're, okay, so Kurt goes into the elephant room thing. And Blaine comes up and he just kind of bashfully hides behind one of the curtains. And Kurt kind of like yeah. non-verbally says, you know, you're welcome in. And it's just, I love that. I lo- it's all, yeah, it's not the song itself. Like, whatever. They could be singing just about anything. And I don't really care, but. I just like watching them interact. Yeah. I mean, there's one thing about their thing over the whole series, I think, with them too, is that. They both of them too as actors and character. They really had 
some great chemistry with them. We're just selling it. I mean, they didn't have to say anything. They just, they're. Yeah, they're, they're, they're really spoke. good at letting their body language speak for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I get out of it. I know there are people that do like the song. I mean, there was a whole, like I said, I don't understand why they were trying to pitch this song so hard because I'm like, really, this one? There's a lot of other ones that, you know, I'd like I, a lot more. I, I think the idea behind it, especially at this point, was. I mean, you think about the lyrics of Come What May, it basically means that they're going to get through you know, everything that life throws at them, they're going to get through it together, no mm -hmm. matter what happens. And because they were broken up at the time, we really, really, really wanted something to push us into the are they getting back together direction. So yeah. when we started pushing for this, as a fandom, I think that because it was before I do aired, I mean, they were still filming like Sadie Hawkins or, or Naked or something at this point. So I don't even know if they'd written this episode or, or what. And so I know that I think a lot of that came from we we need something as a fandom because we're going insane. Yeah, they needed something to build on that. They I'm trying to remember what it was like at the time, but I think that song, um, as a fan of, we needed something to grasp onto, like, uh, like to be hopeful about, because we were still in limbo. It's like, will they get back together? Will they, you know, just, you know, we just didn't know, and we didn't like having that scene, because some, I remember there was talk, on, uh, talk, among, talk among them, that, well, are they really, you know, meant for each other, like, long term, or, you know, are they going to, stay broken up or what is it in this song I think having this song gave us a point that said yeah okay they're going to be they're having some kind of reinforce the point that okay they're going to have uh, so they're still going to be broken up but there's still some there's still a point of hope that we can work toward or something like that so I think that it was also the way it was done was assigned to us from the writer saying, yeah, we hear you. And mm -hmm. yeah, they're probably going to get back together at some point. We're working on it. Yeah. So I, I think that because after this, uh, we lightened up a lot as a fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say, um, I'm going to say an unpopular opinion. It's not even an opinion. It's a fact, but I'm just going to say it. There is one or two places that Darren goes really out of tune on this song. And I will say that kind of drives me crazy. It's, uh, it's some of the longer notes that he hits. I'm like, just stay on the pitch, honey. It's okay. Um, well, God only knows what illness or ailment he probably oh, I know. had that week. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not, whatever. But I'm just like, it's, I don't think it is the greatest song that they've ever done together. Um, like Mel, there are plenty of other duets that I rank quite a bit higher in vocal terms. But as a scene, as a performance of, you know, what's going on visually, I think it's one of my favorites. So um, just to throw out the lyrics a little bit. When Blaine first comes out, he's saying, never knew I could feel like this, like I've never seen the sky before, I want to vanish inside your kiss. And that's kind of when the flashbacks start going. Mm -hmm. And then um, seasons may change, winter to spring, but I will love you to the end of time. And then come what may, I will love you until my dying day. 
So, yeah, that seems pretty significant for Kurt to be thinking about that. Well, so, and then, so when we do cut back to him, he is crying. And after the whole astigmatism conversation, she said, oh, because I thought you were crying because you just told me that you used to sing this song all the time together with Blaine and how two people singing this song to each other was more intimate than sex. You know what I love to think about? When did this ever come up? Okay, so. How did this conversation happen? Yeah. How does, where, when did this conversation happen? Because I'm, I'm sure that sometime in high school, Blaine and Kurt were talking about how they want to sing Moulin Rouge at their wedding. And Santana probably was like, oh God, you guys are already planning your wedding. And kind of that happened. But how did it get to the point where Kurt said at some point, you know, this song is more intimate than sex. That is a fascinating. But that's I, not a thing he would have said to anyone except for maybe Blaine. Yeah. So I feel like Santana must have goaded him into a statement like that. Yeah. Or, or Sue recorded it on her drone and Santana. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's how everybody finds out everything. Sue's drones that are apparently flying around McKinley High. (laughs) Plus, Sue has footage of Kurt and Blaine singing Come What May. Oh my god! <laughs> How did you film this? This is a fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh. Red, red Kurt's mind, where he was thinking about it being more intimate than sex. We didn't know and this, but Glee is a sci-fi show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sometimes I wonder. But no, I, I kind of love, and I have to wonder. If Santana just like stirring the pot or if she's at all looking out for Kurt or what, because what brings her to even, cause she is really like, if it wasn't for Brody, she would probably be calling him out completely on the whole blame yeah. thing. Yep. She, well, she, and she sort of goes, I mean, she sort of is because that's how the episode starts with her. She's really pushing this Kurt and Adam thing, trying to figure out like what's going on. And, and then she continues that. And it's only when Kurt sort of pushes the Brody thing forward that she lets it go. Cause he basically distracts her with all the Brody stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it's really interesting. Cause I'm curious about what her motivation is. I think she's, she's bored and she's, she's bored. <laughs> Yeah, she was bored. She's just picking. She's just she's bored. She's trying to create junk because and you can see it like when they're watching the film. She's sitting there just hating on life, and then when Mm -hmm. notices that Kurt's crying, she's like, "Well, here we go. Um, There's something I can do. Maybe they'll blow up and have a fight, and I'll have something (laughs) to watch." (laughs) She's a cat with a mouse, and she's just trying to keep herself entertained while she's stuck in this apartment with these three other people. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because yeah, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Santana is like a pro clean. I'm like, no, I think it's just that she's <laughs> bored. <laughs> I, I mean, I do think she has, I do think she thinks has Kurt and Rachel's best interests at heart because I do think yeah. she generally yeah. cares about them. But she does want to, you know, she wants entertainment too. And she wants to, you yeah. know, she would love to see a cat fight between Adam and Kurt. So, yeah. Didn't, this is flash forwarding a little bit to another episode 
but I can't really remember which ep it is. Maybe to the next ep. But doesn't Santana call out Brody at some point? Yeah, that'll be the next episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she says like something like she call actually goes to him and calls him out and says don't mess with my I don't know what what her exact quote was but I remember she said don't mess with my my friends or something like that yeah she calls them my family oh yeah oh yeah that's so and if you remember back in Michael Santana and Kurt had like you know the same target of Sebastian and I I do Mm -hmm. kind of think that. She she knows, you know. She knows she is good enough with people that she knows she Carter is, is in love with Blaine. Very so. much. She kind of reminds me in a way of how my brother and my sister and I all were when we were growing up, which was. I could say whatever the hell I wanted about my brother and my sister, but the minute you start saying something about my brother and my sister, it's on. Yeah, because they're my brother and my sister, and I can insult them as much as I want. But when you do it, you're insulting all of us, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you up or whatever. <laughs> Not that that really ever happened, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like I can say whatever I want because they're my family. She's mm-hmm. very much. I mean, she literally says whatever she wants because they're her yep. family, and she loves them. <laughs> but if somebody else does it, she's gonna claw their eyes out. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that's how she feels about them. Yeah. That makes sense too. Before we get into the Brody stuff, I want to mention Adam really quick. First of all, his head was resting on the couch, not on Kurt's shoulder, which is interesting. Actually, Rachel is more curled up to, to Kurt than Adam is. Um and um like I like Adam just fine. I would do wish there was more Adam story, but how dense can you be? I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, Kurt's pretty much trying to put as much space between them as he can without obviously putting as much space between them as he can. Well, and he's yeah. sitting there bawling his eyes out over this. And then he's like, yeah, here's my contact solution. I didn't, you know, and even Rachel's like, I didn't know we wore contacts. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Adam. You know, first off, you don't get what? context for astigmatism if that's the only thing that's wrong with you. <laughs> well, isn't it, is it Adam? I think it's Adam is the one that notices Kurt crying when he comes out of, you know, bathing. And, uh, yeah. Oh, he says, are you crying? And yeah. then Santana pounces. Yeah. And then uh, I'm trying to remember when, when, when Santana is having all this, you know, <laughs> she's punting on Kurt. I, I was trying to watch his expression and he... <laughs> He really doesn't give. No, that's the thing. He doesn't. You know, he just. It sounds. It look. You know, I feel feel really bad saying this. It looks like the actor is just kind of sitting there waiting for his next line. I mean, (laughs) come on, no reaction at all. I mean, again, if my 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 wild concern, come on. Yeah, my. Or is he trying hard not to have a reaction? Oh, there we go. Yeah. That like he's be. saving face because like maybe I mean, like, he understands what Santana's doing and he's not going to give it to her. Yeah. Or you know, or he knows it. his position with Kurt. Like I mean, like he he raises it with Kurt later on in the episode. He knows yeah, he exactly. Does. He That's knows, true. You know, that his standing with Kurt is you know, is nothing is set in stone. Nothing is concrete. Mm-hmm. There's nothing that's been defined. And so, if you're stuck in this sort of situation with with these two sort of cats in heat clawing at each other in a, in a way that they're you know attacking each other you know 
you, it'd be because I'm just trying to think how I would be. You would be trying to save face, like, oh yeah, yeah. cool. I don't, you know, I don't care. That's you know, whatever. Yeah. I'm aware of that. We can have this cool conversation when we're not snowed in together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what they yeah. do. Yeah. I also I wonder if if Adam kind of thinking about how he reacts later on the episode was is still trying to like let's ignore that and let's focus on us since we are here, you know, together mm-hmm. stuck in this place. We could definitely, you know. Or they can make the he can make the most of being there. Let who cares what he did over the weekend? He's here with me now. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. So then we get into this Brody speech. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> this is like hands down one of the most amazing okay. Santana speeches ever. Uh, from like, the was he said Brody, he said Brody. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Psycho. She's like Brody is a freaking psycho, and Kurt's just like. Go on. Like he's, <laughs> she's like, he's like, everyone needs him. Are uh, you not a real New Yorker until you've had a makeover? What even does that mean? Yeah. I love <laughs> that she called that out. I love it. And I love every time, yeah. like every, I love this part of, I, do, I will say I love this about Adam because yeah. she's like, Brody's a psycho. And he's like, what do you mean? Brody's a sweetheart. And then Santana backtracks. Oh, oh, that's true. And then Brody's horrible. And he's like, no, Brody's not horrible. Oh, okay. Well, no, I didn't think so at first, but then. I love that she like he brings her down a notch, and so she has like yeah. new tactic, and she can that she can look past the fact that he is hairless and plastic, and that he probably has a porn star landing strip. <laughs> and, and I love Rachel's reaction because I'm sure it's true. Because Rachel's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, and I just Rachel's just like, oh god, why are we even doing this? And I love. Okay, so first she brings out the cash. She stole twelve hundred dollars from him. <laughs> Why does he have twelve hundred dollars in cash? And who carries a pager? Well, that's the, I love drug dealers. I absolutely <laughs> love the fact that they didn't know what a pager was because these young kids probably wouldn't. Yeah. And it does look like a garage door opener, which they would yeah. know. <laughs> and that. <clears throat> montage and she's like she's like where did you find that like last night when i was going through all your stuff in the apartment and they're like you went through our things she's like yeah that's a thing i do like Mm. (laughs) (laughs) and her tearing up the entire apartment is just (laughs) amazingly hysterical that ends with her face down under the bed, just like throwing her arms out behind her as she throws everything out from under the bed. Well, the best about this is they have no idea she did this, so that she put everything back. I know that's what I was gonna say. It's it's clean again. They didn't notice, so she's making a mess, but she must clean up her after herself or something. And, yeah. and then she's like, you know, I you know my my two close friends invite me to stay, and then they don't like that I go through the things. I mean, come on, like. <laughs> Oh man! <sighs> so it's a great scene. Oh, it's yeah. so good. And her conclusion that he's drug dealer. Yeah, Brody is a drug dealer. Brody is a drug dealer, which makes sense. I mean, I think we, I think we had hit the spoilers at this point had come out that Brody was actually. I guess a jiggle, which may be better. Or, I don't know, but like, I guess he would be a male escort, actually. Yeah. Mm. Are you aware that the actor that plays Brody was like on an Australian Australian Idol, like reality TV show here in Australia? I didn't know that. Yeah, 
Yeah, so he was he was um, on Australian Idol and then he had a role in Neighbours, which is one of our soap operas. And then when he got cast in Glee, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. And then, then Brody happened. <laughs> and it wasn't. <laughs> Brody happened. Well, to be honest, I, I feel like Brody was, go- was supposed to be a completely different character than the one that we got. That we got, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, okay, so here's, the, I'm going to put throw in the fun fact about Brody from the Glee trivia thing. Brody was supposed to have his first release solo in the episode. It was supposed to be El Tango de Roxanne from Moulin Rouge, but it was replaced with How to Be a Heartbreaker and Saved for Feud. Huh. Interesting. See, now that would have been really interesting, actually. Does that mean we would have been, we would have learned more it would, and you it. know what though it explains a lot about the choreography in how to be a heartbreaker because think about that if it was El Tango yeah. de Roxanne that's true that makes sense that was does that mean we would have gotten to see the cast do the tango because now I'm pissed no they probably still would have had extras what are you yeah. talking about we got to see Kiss as a tango in season 2 god oh, god <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mel, for that. <laughs> yeah. Way to bring us down, Mel. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next we get another scene, which is like a day later. So they've been trapped in there for 48 hours. <laughs> the next morning or something? No, it's been 48 hours. Oh well, I don't know if it's the next morning. They've been trapped in there for 48 hours. Because Rachel's okay. cooking soup. It's not morning. Rachel's cooking Definitely soup. not morning. It's just like letting her cook. And and you know what? Brody has a setup out uh, not Brody. Brody's not even there. Adam has a setup um on the couch. He's all like he's, he's not sleeping in Kurt's bed. Not sleeping with Kurt. Mm-hmm. So, just throwing that out there. Um, so, she's cooking dinner, soup or whatever. I love when she's like, I'm going to call Brody and tell him, you know, you know, everything's fine. And then Santana mimics a drug dealer. Oh, my God. She mimics, yeah. like, the snorting cocaine off her arm in the background yeah. or whatever. And Kurt's like, uh-huh. <laughs> like, he's agreeing with her. And that interaction is so funny. Oh, why did they not have more of the show be Kurt and Santana doing wacky things together? I think this is a wasted opportunity. These two are hilarious together. Yes, they yeah. are. It was so underutilized. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I love that it's taken them like over 24 hours to um, watch Moulin Rouge. They haven't even finished it. <laughs> Well, I think they just stopped watching it the night before when Santana went on her rant about Brody. Yeah. Well, they said the power went out for a while, too. Oh, I guess so, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. So she call, Rachel calls Brody. Brody is at a friend's house, which probably isn't that well, weird. But, well, well they, but he did have to get off the phone really quickly or something like that. But it's a cute little scene. And then I do, I do love the fact that... I, <laughs> Well, if they were trying to, like, play it up as being suspicious, sorry, they think he's a drug dealer, but he's not. He's actually a gigolo. Does that mean he's been snowed in with a client? That's what I always wondered. <laughs> yeah, that's what I figured. Like, does he ha- does does she have to pay him for all that time? Like, what happens in that situation? I hope not. I feel like you can stay, <laughs> but I'm not paying for you. <laughs> it's kind of weird. And if they were – here's my question, and I'm not a New Yorker, so I don't know – but even if there's a crap ton of um, snow on the ground, 
Brody says all the bridges clo are closed, but that doesn't mean the subway stops. I mean, that still runs underground. That r I know that you can get from Queens to Manhattan and back again. So wouldn't he be able to take the train still? Unless the sidewalks are impassable? I don't really know. Yeah, well, have to, I'm going to ask New Yorker about that. I don't deal with snow. I don't have to deal with snow, so I don't know. Oh, that's nice. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, stupid Midwest winters. So, yeah, that's interesting. Like, I feel like there's no real reason. I feel like at that point, we're we're just drawing it out for plot's sake and not for realism. Absolutely. But I do like the, the choice of Kurt. He's sitting there playing solitaire by himself, you know, and Adam and is on the couch. in the living room on the couch, like, not engaging him at all. So is that because of the conversation the night before, because of the Moulin Rouge thing and the come what may thing, and because Santana busted him out? I don't know. Maybe the night before that he did sleep in his bed, but now he's not. He's sleeping on the couch. Ooh. Ooh. I can't imagine Kurt would be in Kurt's bed. There's no way Kurt would have someone in his bed with just a sheet between him and Rachel and Brody. Like, would Adam... That's true. <laughs> it took me a second to know what you, I thought you meant, like, they were all sleeping in the same bed together. I'm like, what? <laughs> Sorry, That's I get what you're saying. Show. <laughs> well, who knows where Santana's probably sleeping? Maybe Santana's sleeping in Kurt's bed, and that's why Adam can't be in there because where's Santana sleeping? If Adam's on the couch, no, is not Santana? Get the room. They 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 curtain her off a room at some point, so I assume that she's got one. No, they don't. Oh, they in in when she when Rachel and and she, um Santana are fighting in season five, she says that she's been sleeping on the couch the whole time. Yeah. Oh. So if Adam's on the couch, that room. means Santana has to be in somebody's bed. You know or what? Adam and Santana, I or bet Adam Kurt, or wait, yeah, I bet she is sleeping in Kurt's room, in his bed, with him. Because <laughs> well, I was just thinking about it, and uh, because, you know, since Brody lives there, so Rachel and Brody, are, otherwise I'd say Kurt would probably be sleeping in Rachel's bed. And let Santana have his. <laughs> if Brody's Brody, Brody in if Brody's been in Rachel's bed, there's not a chance in hell Kurt's sleeping in that bed. That's true. Okay, I'm sorry. Santana's sleeping in Rachel's bed, and Rachel is sleeping in Kurt's bed with him. <laughs> this is we've spent way too much time on this. Stuff. Okay, so um, getting back into it, uh, our next scene has my favorite Adam line ever. What's shaking, bacon? <laughs> <laughs> because Kurt uh, is in. He's a dork. Yeah. Like dorks, that's obviously where the attraction is. Mm. Oh man, I think it's hilarious. Um, yeah. so yeah, like the thing that I find really super interesting about this scene is that Adam starts out with you know a compliment, you know, like hey, you yeah. know, and then he's like, Yeah, isn't it great? We spent all this time together and we watched a movie, and Kurt's like completely like kind of downplaying everything or rebuffing yeah. it. He's, he's really very closed off here. It's interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, and Adam even moves in and he's like, well, we, I wish we would have been snowed in a little bit more longer. And then Kurt's like, oh yes, yeah, so we could finish the movie. Like he completely is not, Adam's trying to spin it in a romantic context and Kurt is trying to deflect it. Yeah. 
He's trying to spin it in more of a friend context than a romantic context, I think. Oh. And then Adam cuts to the chase right there. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. And he's like, let's go find our own movie or something. Well, yeah, he's like, so Adam is like, first of all, he's like, hey, am I, you know, uh, that song, that Moulin Rouge stuff, that was about you and, and Blaine. That really did happen. And Kurt's like, yeah. And well, okay, so uh, let me ask you this, because this line is always, I found interesting, and maybe I, I want to hear you guys' interpretation where Kurt says, um, it was, but it feels like a long time ago. That's what's so hard about it. Like, what does that mean? Because <laughs> he can't let it go. Because. Um... He feels like he and Blaine are different people now, maybe? I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting thing to say, but I, I've never been able to, like, define and have a solid interpretation. So, Well, he does go on to say that he's trying desperately, I mean, la- later on in the conversation, that he's trying to desperately to get over Blaine. So I think he's still, he wants to get um, in his head, he wants to get over him, but in his heart, I mean, his heart is con- his heart is still with there. So I mean, they're in conflict with each other. So he's still wrestling with it. I mean, or I guess he's in, still in self denial. Well, when or, Kurt, or when Adam says, you know, uh, were you a rebound? And Kurt's like, no, 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 he's not. And obviously, it's a little too quick of an answer. Yeah. Um, but I also mm-hmm. wonder if you know. After being alive, and he comes back and to Sadie Hawkins, and he's like, I'm going to seize the day, I'm going to ask this cute boy out, I'm going to do all these things, and the reality of it is, you can ask all the cute boys you want out, you are not over your feelings of Blaine, and he, he kind of yeah. realizes that watching Moulin Rouge, yeah. so that's kind of where he's at. He wants to be over him, but he's not. Oh, yeah. I remember, oh my gosh, I remember all the hoopla where a lot of the Kurt stands were like, he said he desperately wants to be over Blaine. I'm like, did you understand that in context? Context, that's <laughs> what he's saying to himself, but it's not true. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. And I, I think that uh, he started having, though, he started with that, though, in I do, you know, when all that. You know, they were kind of flirting back and forth, and they had, you know, like... Blaine's like, we're telling yeah. we're not back together, and he's uh-huh. like, not back together. Just friends, yeah. just friends, just friends. <laughs> just I, friends. Well, the way that he looked at it, but the way that he, I thought he think he's being very coy, though. I mean, he said he's not friends, but, uh, I mean, at least that's what I took it. So I think that was just a continuation of that, I mean, is. I mean, his own personal journey, I guess, in terms of trying to come to terms with how he feels about that. Do you also think, and this is just probably me throwing this way out there, that them, um, Adam saying, you know, you guys did used to do that duet together, that singing together equates to sleeping with each other in this show? Like, I just kind of got that connotation. I think that's an underlying theme a lot because yeah. uh, in, well, oh gosh, which one? Um, Bad Reputation, one of the reasons why Rachel does run Joey Run is because she wanted to appear vocally promiscuous so people would think she was actually sleeping with three guys. Yeah. yeah. It's not a 
I mean, it's a theme they've used before. I don't know if it's a continuous theme, but it's come up. I think it has. I mean, just Santana's comment about being, you know, the song singing it to each other is more intimate than sex and everything. I, yeah, I do that, like to, yeah. I think that it is equated. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I wrote in my notes, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Sweet Home Alabama. It's ridiculously cheesy, but it, I yeah. love it. I think it's just fun. It, it, it's it's great if you go in knowing that it's going to be so cheesy. It is. It so is really cheesy. cheesy. But Reese Witherspoon at the end says to the guy that she thought she was going to marry, but she realizes she's in love with her husband, um, is, you know, the truth is I gave my heart away a long time ago, my whole heart, and I never really got it back. And I don't know. I just always think of that line when I think yeah. of it here. I agree. Yeah. yeah. I think so. And I mean, again, I think there's something about Chris, or Kurt, I mean, the way that Chris portrays Kurt in his body language. I mean, his whole expression is not just what he's saying, you know, on that thing, but but you know, the way that he emotes with that. I mean, you could just tell that he's not, he's saying these things, but he's not really. I mean, his heart is he, not he's saying there. them because he wants them to be true, but that yeah. doesn't make. And, you know, if you think about this scene versus the end of Come What May, where Mm -hmm. Kurt has basically just decided to become one with Blaine through, I don't know, you know, and then here in this scene, he couldn't get any physically further away from Adam. And, And then even when Adam goes to take his hand, it's it's like Adam goes to take his hand and, and yeah. like, you know, takes his hand and is like holding it and like Kurt's not Kurt's not proactive at all in the yeah. scene. And, yep. and the thing that I just it and this is just I'm sure behind the scenes related, just we never really get a resolution to this. Mm-hmm. Except for a throwaway line in the opener of season five. Yeah. Or, no, I'm sorry, it's the second episode of season five. No, it's the first one. Um it's, it's the, the first, first one. one. That's when they get back together. That's when they talk about it. Yeah. No, oh, no, man. I'm talking about no. It's in it's in the one after that because he said that he told Adam he was engaged and Adam threw him out of Adam's house. Oh, that line. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That line. Okay. That is the next time we hear about Adam, except for there, like Blaine mentions some guy or Blaine and Sam mention him in. But they do one. talk about it in in Love, 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 where Kurt says, um, which is a throwout line to the fans, but it's he says. Um, People want us together, but it didn't really work out. Because Blaine asks what yeah. happened with the New York guy. And yeah. And, and so it just, but like, we never get a resolution to this particular moment. I really wanted one. No, and that's my thing. Like, I think it would have been really interesting to show the rest of this kind of arc with Adam, where Kurt goes on this date. Because, you know, Adam says, let's go make our own movie magic. Like, I can't compete with your fantasy we need to start something new. And which isn't a bad thing. Like, if you're trying to get yeah. over somebody, it's not a bad thing to go try new things, with, you know. But um, he's like, and then he takes Kurt's hand, and they're going to run off and see some sappy movie, which obviously is not going to be Moulin Rouge or The Notebook or whatever, you know. And it would have been interesting to follow it through, to see Kurt going through, you know, this date isn't working, you know, this yeah. stuff is not working. And then it gets to the conclusion where he he wants to be back with Blaine because he wants to be back with Blaine, not because Blaine is, you know, 
the only choice or the, just the fact that Kurt comes to his own conclusion that he wants to be with Blaine. And we do get there, like, subtly, but this is the last mm-hmm. time we really get any really big insight into Kurt's head. So Yeah. Well, and it was my impression that in that whole thing, when when uh, when Adam says, let's go make our own magic or, or have our own moment or something, it's, it feels really forced to me. Like, he's trying to, not that Adam is definitely way more invested in their quote-unquote relationship, for lack of a better word. Yeah, it does. Than Kurt is. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. He's trying to hold on. I mean, like, he wasn't really pushing for this, but now that there's kind of this slight competition with, you know, the ex, he's like, I'm going to present myself. We're going to try this. We're going to give it all. I'm going to, you know, rock your world, too. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. That's an image I don't know that I need it. No, I'm sorry. I, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but oh, the other thing I wanted to say about Kurt was that, you know, when you, I do, he's very, you know, just friends. He's closed off to these ideas. You know, I'm like, I can probably have sex with Blaine and it's just going to be about sex. And that's kind of his mentality. Like, we can just be friends out of this. And I think this episode is where he, you know, his dad's words back in blaming it on the alcohol kind of come back, back oh, to him yeah, does, where he says, yeah. you know, you matter and sex matters and this means something to Kurt and, and him sleeping with Blaine all weekend meant something. And I think Kurt really, you know, internalizes that and realizes that in the scene. So Adam going, hey, we're going to like make this relationship work. It's just it, it, it. This is it does feel a bit forced on Adam's part because Kurt is not emotionally there. Yeah, and you really, know, it's not fair to Adam because, yeah, you know, don't be with someone who who either doesn't want or is not emotionally ready to be with you. Because yeah. guess who's going to get hurt in this scenario? You. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. Before you brought up the whole, their conversation, I completely had forgotten about the conversation with between Burton. You know, Bert's advice to Kurt about, you know, having sex and things. But now that you mention it, I could totally see how that relates to that. So I'm glad that you brought it up because it kind of comes full circle a bit. So, yeah, it does. So it is. I mean, I like Adam just fine. I know I like to pick on him, but I, I thought he was an interesting character that they could have done a lot with. And I, it is a shame. I wish more had been done with him as a character. Yeah. And I don't mind him. And I never, I don't think, see, the thing is, is I probably would have disliked him more if I thought he was more of a threat to their relationship. <laughs> no, I actually, I'm I can okay. like him because he doesn't bother me. Yeah. I, I, I think he's just fine. Like, I, I wouldn't have wanted him to be more of a threat to the relationship. I think he was fine. either. So, but, so that, and you know Kurt found himself a nice boy to go out on some dates with. Mm-hmm. And good for Kurt. Yeah, yep. exactly. And I'm glad that he was able to put himself out there and try and, you know, keep going. And, and I do like the idea of Kurt trying something with somebody and saying, you know what? I want to be with Blaine because I want to be with Blaine. Yeah. Um, in the end. So, yeah. yeah. So, interestingly enough, that's not the end of the New York stuff. We still have... Some stuff with Santana talking to Rachel as a heart-to-heart about, you know, the whole pregnancy stuff where she kind of breaks down. And 
there's not really, I think that's the last scene in New York, but again, you know, the Adam Kurt stuff happens about 20 minutes before the end of the episode. So there's like still half the episode left. And I do and then think we never see him again. Yeah. I yeah. do think there could have been another beat even in this episode to wrap it up more so than they yeah. did. And it's just, or there could have been more between that conversation, like before that conversation, but post weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, that conversation could have been the end of the episode for them because I feel like as an end of the episode for them, that's a really good beat to leave on if you're going to follow up on it. Yeah, it left it open ended a little too much. I mean, you get in the body yeah. language that Kurt's going to be like, this isn't going to go anywhere. But yeah, well, I mean, because what episode number is this again? This is 15. This is 15. And then so what? 16 is feud, right? Right. Okay, so by guilty pleasures, Kurt is sleeping with his boyfriend pillow. Yeah. So obviously that date didn't go very well. No, because he's now no. yeah, sleeping. Um, but to, to kind of wrap up, um the only other thing I really wanted to mention about the episode is that we are now in pause degree time. Um I kind of did and I will link um a, a link to it. a, a, a what is it called? Timeline. Where I think that um, you and I disagree just a little bit about the timeline. That's fine. I'm right, though. But, uh-huh, <laughs> sure you are. But for the most part, I mean, yeah. For the most part, though, I think what we can agree on is that the, the Valentine I do happens on Valentine's Day. Or on the weekend uh-huh. of Valentine's Day. And then graduation happens in New Directions. And everything between... So that means there's like 15 episodes that take place in like six weeks. It's a whole it's a whole season because it's 4.14 to 5.13 all happens oh. from the mid-February to the beginning of June or late May when they graduate. So all mm-hmm. of that happens in one big... So time is really, 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 really compressed now. So everything yeah. that happens... So this stuff that happens with Adam in what's essentially a no, less than a month He's going to be engaged to Blade. So putting that in context. I guess that puts a little more in perspective of why he suddenly threw him out of the apples, then doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Because it's suddenly. Boy, that date really didn't go well. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, if I mean, the first thing that Kurt sings, I mean, that um, Adam sings to him is Baby Got Back. So, yeah. God, yeah. that was oh. just. That was a nightmare on screen and behind, and behind mm. the scenes. Yeah. So that kind of wraps everything up. Was there anything else that you guys wanted to mention? I did want to mention a little bit about that Santana and Rachel talk on the couch. Yeah, um, I just was struck by how when once uh once Rachel breaks down, how I mean, we can say how snarky and how you know how how put on the spot that Santana is, but immediately that she realizes something is wrong, she immediately uh, like reaches out and they have a genuine connection. I mean, Santana becomes really protective and supportive and not like she wasn't before, but I just thought that that was really, that was a really nice moment for me to see. And I think it plays into that next, I mean, the next, uh, when she goes to confirm Brody later, but I, I think that that, that moment really struck me for some, I mean, for, I thought it was a n- nice moment between them it it was a nice reminder that they actually do like each other yeah and that 
in this scene, you know, normally if we saw a scene like this, it would be Rachel and Kurt. Mm-hmm. It's Santana that she goes to. You know, yeah. and interestingly, I'm just going to throw this out there. One of the reasons why Humbleberry became a little bit more tolerable for me is that post Sadie Hawkins, I mean, there is the stuff in Sadie Hawkins, but after that, after it really post Diva, that Rachel starts having more female friends and it's less about Kurt propping her up emotionally when she, you know, Quinn and Santana talk to her, Santana keeps talking to her in season five, Mercedes is going to be there. She has more people to interact with and, you know, more friends to do things with. And it's not Kurt just emotionally propping her up all the time. And so it feels a little bit, you know, I can like the friendship because it feels balanced again. So Mm -hmm. good point. So, right. Awesome. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for doing the podcast with me. Um, This is a really awesome episode. I always love coming back to it. And, um, yeah, and it's first time in a while that I've gotten to, well, I guess I do, I will have, but I haven't shot that yet, but talk about both of them at the same time. You don't always get to do that, um, these days. So, uh, mm-hmm. next week I am going to be doing, we're going to be doing feud. So we get to talk a lot about Blaine and Blaine being on the bottom and it'll be fun. So join ah, us next Sunday gosh. and thanks for listening. Missing puzzle piece. I'm complete. I was just.